Hi everyone, I'm Mark Walholland. Today on The Upbeat, we're talking about finding love again after loss. Joining me to share her story of falling in love again after suffering a tragic loss is Anna Maria Bellantoni from Saratoga Springs, New York. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Anna Maria Bellantoni. I live in Saratoga Springs. I lost my husband, Joe, in 2005, um, and I remarried in 2010. I've been married for 11 years now, very happily. And your husband's name is Mark Bellantoni? Yes, my husband's name is Mark Bellantoni. And he's a firefighter? Yes. And he checked all the boxes. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it wasn't, you didn't have a firefighter on your list, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't have that either. Looks like Santa almost finished all of his food. What do you got? Chocolate lollipop? Mmm, how was that? Mmm, yummy. That was the voice of Joe Dalton, Anna Maria's late husband, enjoying Christmas in the early 2000s with his young children, Daniel and Joanna. And by the way, in converting Anna Maria's home videos for use on this podcast, it was the first time her daughter, Joanna, who is now in college, remembers hearing her father's voice. It was a very sweet and unexpected byproduct of this podcast episode. Tell me a little bit about, about your former husband. Let's begin there. And what, ha oh. what happened that led you to where you are today? Yes, okay, so um, he was injured in a mountain bike accident. Well, he was injured on a mountain bike, um, a fluke accident on, on his bicycle where he flipped over the handlebars. Um, he didn't have a helmet on. It wasn't, it wasn't um, any sort of adventure thing that he thought he really needed it for. It was more of a joy ride. Um, and uh, he was, it was dusk and he was kind of going on to um, the Watkins Glen track and um, on down an embankment and a woman walked in front of him and he flipped over his handlebars. He ended up having, ended up with a serious concussion, we thought, which was hopeful. <laughs> um, and were you there at the time, Anna Maria? Were you? No, no, because it was we, he was out of town, and so you know I got the phone call that he you know had this concussion, and um, you know I was of course alarmed, but the doctor kind of told me that you know we think this is going to reabsorb into the body; it shouldn't be an issue, and so that was probably like early hours, you know, in the evening, you know, like in the morning, let's say two or three in the morning. So I waited till I could feel like I could call his parents and tell them what had happened. So um, we immediately, his dad and I immediately got in the car and headed to Watkins Glen. And you know, I had some, like my mom come over and watch the kids. And um, within a couple of days, the, the concussion just got worse and um, the brain bleed was worse. And so now it was this emergency situation um, that he needed they needed surgery to relieve the pressure, or you know, we had to make a decision as a family of what to do about that. So and you're you're going from what you think is a minor little accident, right? To you got to make a life and death decision, right? Right. What was that like? Um, very, very, very stressful. <laughs> um, you got two young just, children at home. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so between that time, then we, you know, once we knew how bad it was, we alerted the rest of his family, his brother, his sister, his mom, and we all, we all met there. And it was, um, you know, just 
decision time and um, you know he had he had some surgery to relieve some of the pressure we decided and again it just it got worse it got worse and it just wasn't getting better and so the doctor said here's your options you know you can um, just see what happens and you know if he recovers you know we don't know what what the outcome will be um, we don't know if you know he'll be nor his normal self you know chances are there would be some deficits and things like that or um, you know you would have he would just have to be declared brain dead and um, so there was a lot of family discussion um, just nothing you would ever think <laughs> would, would happen. How old were your kids at the time? My daughter had just turned three in July, and Joe died in August, and my son was six and a half, six and a half. Three and six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think knowing Joe, the one thing we all knew was that, you know, he was very um, larger than life and very adventurous and um, just you know, really outgoing and, and, you know, we, we knew he didn't want to, you know, live, um, you know, with any deficits. We all knew, and I knew those were his wishes because we, believe it or not, we did talk about that. Um, You're a young so, couple, so it's, yeah. it is a little unusual to talk about those things, right? right? Because we all think we're invincible when we're in our 20s and 30s. And exactly, exactly. So when did he pass? Um, his accident was on the 14th of August, and he died on the August 20th. So, just he was, you know, just about a week between his accident and the day he died. It's amazing that you can even remember it now, because I'm sure a lot of it, it having been in a, a similar situation, ours wasn't sudden like like yours, but. Don't you feel like it's a haze? Don't you feel like a lot of that time yeah. is a haze because you're trying yes. to hold it together for your children yes. and keep it all together and, oh yeah. my God, I've just lost my husband. Yeah. That wasn't what the plan was supposed to be. No, exactly. I mean, some, some moments of it like do stick out in my head, like the dates or certain odd things. But, you know, like you said, a lot of it just became a blur because you're just, it's unbelievable. You're just in a fog. You're like, this cannot be real. This can't be happening. What was life like in the ensuing weeks, months, turning into years? After he died? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was definitely that was definitely a blur, and just um, you know, I think I was just really focused on my kids. Um, you know, I I'm sure very similar for you. That was just the hardest thing I ever had to do was just one day they saw their dad and he was just going away on a work trip and they never saw him again. And, you know, you had to tell them that he was never coming back or, you know, it was just awful. It was Horrible. awful. That, that I remember. That sure. you remember. Yeah. <laughs> that you remember. And it's just just an absolute horrible thing. This podcast is about perseverance and hope. How did you maintain hope? How did you persevere following his death? Um, well, I have to say, um, I'm, you know, I have, I have a strong faith, even though I felt that that was tested. I felt, felt that was very tested. You know, I was very angry. You know, um, I just, one of these things where you just think, how can these things happen to good, normal people? Um, and, 
so I really, you know, I struggled with that faith piece a bit, but I, but it was always there. Um, you know, I did have a really good support system, you know, just so many great people came out of the woodwork, people I never met, people I didn't know, um, just offerings to help me with so many things, um, giving me money, babysitting, I'll mow your lawn, cooking me food. I mean, just amazing things and just so much good from people that kind of lifted me up too. When did you first have a little bit of alone time? When did you first decide that you might want to meet someone, that you might want to go out? And I'm guessing you probably didn't start looking. It never happens that way, or maybe it did. Did you, did you reach a point in your life where you said, you know what, I need someone to partner with? Not initially, no. I just was very, um, you know, I just thought, oh, I'm never going to meet anyone. I don't want to meet, you know, who's going to, who's, who am I going to let be a parent to my children? Um, no, I was just really like, nope, I'm not interested in that at all. I can totally relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I remember one day I would, I was, and I do remember this time frame for whatever reason. It was like four months after Joe died and I just ever, you know, I, whenever he would come, you'd come into our garage and go through the door to come into our kitchen. That was, you know, how we went into our house. And I, I would always hear the door just slam. And I would just be like, oh, Joe's home, Joe's home, Joe's home, you know. And one day, just, it was right around that four month mark, the door slammed and I just thought, Joe's not coming home. And it just, it just kind of hit me like a brick. Yeah. You know, and I just, I just kept thinking, maybe he's home, you know, before that. I was like, maybe he's, you know, maybe that's him, you know. You're just holding on to something. Yeah, reality set in then. Right, and I just thought, okay. And that was just more of like a, a turning point to just say, just to really start like healing, not so much like your basic grief, because that was, you know, I, I sought counseling for that. And then it was just, as I got further out a little bit, it was more like, you know what, I think I need to um, just look at doing something to help me move forward. Because I was, you know, I was just stuck. You stuck know, you in the grief. Like stuck. stuck in your grief, stuck in the past. You don't want your world to change, but your world is changing. And you're trying to, like, figure out where you're at in there. In there. You don't want to change, but you have to. You have to move forward. And... You know, also having the kids helped me with that because... You, you don't know, want to be stuck in the grief. You don't want to be stuck no, in the grief for them. Exactly. You want them to have a healthy upbringing. Exactly. You, want them, you don't want them to be sad all the time. Exactly. Exactly. When did you first date? Do you remember? Um, probably... It was probably, like, honestly, like, almost like a year and a half, probably after Joe died. Do you find that people put a, uh, some judgment on that? Do you find that people say, oh, that's too long, that's not long enough, that's, uh, you need to grieve longer? Do you, did you, do you ever feel that? Yes, yes. Everyone had opinions, and everyone was happy to share that with me. <laughs> and everyone, everyone does have. Everyone, and you know what? Yeah, they do. In their head, they have this timeline of how long you should grieve for, yeah. right? So tell me about that. Tell me about dating. About dating? Yeah, tell me about dating. Um, well, I guess leading up to that, again, I was, um, I, you know, I really focused on what I thought Joe would want me to do, and he would want me to move forward with my life. He would want me to live to the fullest. He would want me to, you know, 
do all these things that he, you know, wanted to experience with the kids. Like he just, he wouldn't want me to be stuck. And, you know, I just, as I got a little further out, I was just thought, you know what, he would really want me to move forward and, and live my life. And so, um, but I was feeling kind of stuck and I didn't really know what to do. And so a friend of mine was like, well, why don't you, you know, she had a counselor and she goes, why don't you go to, you know, my counselor and, and just talk to her? I was like, okay, I'll, I think I'll do that. So I, I met with um, this counselor every couple of weeks and it really ended up being like, um, it was more like she was just a great listener and she ended up being, more, I guess, like a life coach and she'd almost like give me little assignments and she'd be like, do this, this, and this, and we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks, you know? And, and I think I you know, focused on that with her and I was like, I really want to move forward. I just don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And she just gave me like kind of, I don't know if it was the courage or the, just the, um, maybe not courage, but just here's the next steps. Yeah. And um, the little push, the little nudge. Yeah, a little push, a little push. And, and a friend of mine, we, my current husband, Mark, and I met through a good friend of mine. And um, she, for months, months and months before that, she, she kept saying to me, well, why don't you think about, you know, going out with Mark? And I'd said, oh, no, no, no. But, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't know him, but I knew who he was. He was kind of in my outer perimeter of the circle of my friends and um, never really spent any time with him or anything, but he knew who he was. And so, it was, you know, there was that connection, like a personal connection. And, um, and apparently she was doing the same thing to him <laughs> all the time, all the while. And he'd be like, no, 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 no. You know, I, I don't want to upset the apple cart and, you know, all of that stuff. So this went on for months. And, and so the counselor that I was seeing, she's like, oh, you just, just, just go out with them for lunch. It's not like you're going to marry him or anything. And I said, okay, well, I can, go to, I can go to lunch with them. So we did. And we went to several lunches. And, you know, I thought, oh, this is a really safe date because I can just be like, oh, got to get back to yeah, work. It's um, yeah, it's lunchtime. Yeah, it's lunchtime. I got to get back to work. And, and um, but, you know, we probably had several lunch dates. And, um, and every time I left the lunch date, I thought, you know, there's something really nice about him. He's just... It's a good person. I just really like him. There's something. There's something that wanted me to keep sure. coming back to, yeah. to hear more, and so that's kind of how it started. Um, was did you bring up right away? He was since he was on your periphery of your friend group. He understood that you'd suffered a loss. Yes. Yes. Was that helpful? Yes. Or was I think it so. difficult? Um, no. It was. It was. I think it was probably helpful. I think he knew that it was like a sensitive. You know. Um, issue. Topic. Just, yeah, and just also, you know, with the Did kids. you talk about it? We did. Early yeah, on? We did. Um, no, I think, you know, those lunch dates were really more just, no, I don't want to say superficial. But, but just, surface. You know, talk surface, surface, surface talk. Yeah, so, you know, how's your job and, you know, that, that sort of stuff and, oh, what'd you do this weekend and things like that. Did he know, in some of this, if you're uncomfortable talking about this, Anna Maria, we, we, we can move on, but did he know Joe? He did. He did. Did that complicate it? Did that make it easier? Um, you know, I'd probably have to say maybe it made it a little easier uh, because he kind of knew, you know, he knew the situation. He knew who Joe was as a person. Um, so, yeah, I think that was probably make, made it a little easier. We're going to take a quick break to thank our underwriters. Support for Kelly's Angels comes from 
Spa Cafe on Broadway in downtown Saratoga Springs, New York. A friendly breakfast and lunch spot featuring delicious breakfast, soups, and sandwiches. Learn more at spacafeonbroadway.com. The New York State Police Investigators Association, which is the plainclothes detective branch of the New York State Police, with more than 1,000 investigators in its ranks. Learn more at nyspia.org. And from Noble Ace Hardware in South Glens Falls, New York, which offers competitive pricing and high-quality products for just about anything you need. For more than 30 years, the team at Noble Ace has delivered on its promise to be the most helpful hardware store in town by providing excellent customer service that exceeds expectations and reflects family values during each and every visit. Now back to my dad's interview about finding love after loss. Welcome back. Dating for a surviving parent or for those who are divorced looks different for everyone. And it can be stressful for the parent and children alike. That's why we turn to psychologist and parenting expert, Dr. Randy Kale, for some advice. What recommendations do you have for um, people who are in that boat about things to avoid, perhaps? Well, a couple of critical pointers. Speed. A lot of folks go too early. And, and so then if you're in reaction mode and you're looking to be healed, there are a lot of potential partners who want to be saviors. They want to save you. They want to heal you. They want to fix you. That formula does not typically work out very well, right? It, it, it seems great for a while. So slow it down. That's the number one thing. You just slow it down. Uh, and so you've got to be doing your own work and make sure that you've found happiness and security without someone. And, and so if I'm happy and I've found security, then I'm probably in pretty good shape. Uh, typically, uh, sometimes if it's a, a marriage and it, it didn't work out, uh, we'll want to look back and say, well, I don't want somebody like this. I don't want somebody like that. You know, we have these don't wants, right? And, uh, and, it, and again, that's, that's a dangerous thing. If I'm looking for someone with a list of don't wants, yeah. I've got to be clear, again, what do I want? So I'm, if I know for certain what I'm looking for, what I'm seeking, what kind of relationship, what types of experiences, what sorts of things do we want to share together? If I articulate that in my mind and I know that, then I'm probably gonna be able to ha have success. When do you introduce the kids? Boy, I have, I, you know, doing a lot of work with divorce and divorcing families over the years. I used to do uh, uh, forensic evaluations over the, for the court for many, many years. And, um, and so one of the biggest mistakes would be introducing way too early. And wanting, uh, as part of that, is sort of to re-nest, right? If, particularly with young children, you kind of want to sort of do this re-nesting thing where you bring the new parent in and now we're going to have a family. And, and often that comes with wanting to then exclude the other parent a little bit from that. So uh, it, it's, um, I think it's at least a year after you go through a divorce, or at least a year. And, um, and many families over and over again just ignore that and uh, take their children in through a roller coaster ride, right? We've all seen that. Yeah, oh, we've yeah. all seen it. And it, I've, just, I've got a couple I've known for a while, and they just, they just, they're doing it now, right? Two months later, the kids are in with new partners, and there's no, no likely longevity there. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's bad form for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. That was psychologist and parenting expert, Dr. Randy Kale. 
Now back to my discussion with Anna Maria Bellantoni of Saratoga Springs, whose first husband, Joe, passed away from complications following a biking accident when their children were very young. Five years after Joe's death, she found love again when she met her now husband, Mark Bellantoni. Our topic today is finding love after loss, and we're talking with Anna Maria Bellantoni. What's your advice? Because we try to offer some, some common sense tips on this podcast. What's your advice to someone who has suffered a loss? How do you know? How do you know when it's time to maybe start dating again, or at least communicating with someone you're interested in again? Mm -hmm. Well, I think everyone's situation is probably a little bit different, um, but I would just say I don't think there's any set timeline, um, but I do think it's really important to, you know, um, seek some sort of help, you know, counseling, um, a good trusted friend, um, somebody that you can talk to, to kind of, um, I don't know, just bounce things off of to, you know, um, I guess just Hey, you know, I'm 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 here. I am, and I'm needing some. I'm needing someone to listen to. Sure. Me, that did you sort of thing. And, did you feel guilt at all after enjoying yourself on those those lunch dates? Um. Yeah, not maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, just one quick step back too. I was like, when I really decided that I was going to date, and I I was really afraid of what people would would think or say. And I just had to come to grips and tell myself it's not really up to them, um, you know, and, and I think people are so well-intentioned and they do care, but, you know, sometimes they just don't understand. Amen to that. What, <laughs> what an individual is going through. So, you know, just don't put, try to don't, not put judgment on others that are going through something like that. Um, so you didn't feel guilty. You didn't, there was no guilt associated with it. Leading up to deciding, I did. And then finally when I said, you know what, I'm going to move forward. And yeah. I said, nope, this is it. There's going to be no guilt and no ill feelings and I'm going to go with it. When did you introduce Mark to your children? Or had he known them as well as because he was no, on the periphery? He, or was no, that, he didn't. You're looking at me like, oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> is, no. it, is there something you want to share? <laughs> no, he did, no, he did not know them. Um, and I think I was pretty protective of, you know, introducing, introducing him to them. So you prolonged that. You, you, you procrastinated that. Yeah, I would say probably maybe six months after we started dating, I introduced, introduced him to them. Because they were about seven and four at the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And how did that go? Good, good. I mean, I don't think they knew no. at that point that we were dating. This is mommy's just, friend. Right, right. And um, a little bit of a funny story about that because, um, you know, I had I invited Mark over for dinner with me and the kids. And I think I just like whipped up something. You know, I wanted to be like really nice and pretty and delicious and all that. But it was just, you know, your basic, you know, Tuesday night dinner kind of thing because I was busy with other things. But... My daughter got talking to him, and, and Mark was never married before he met me, So, um, and he had no children, which was here, neither here nor there, but my daughter got talking to him, and you know, she, he, she, she says to him, well, do you have a dog? And he's like, no. She, he's, she, um, do you have a boat? No. Um, 
do you have a house? No. She goes, well, you got nothing. <laughs> so, so that really made him feel really good. You know? She's like, you got nothing. Yeah, so you have to jump in at that point. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's just out of the mouths of little lungs, you know? Out of, right. out of the mouths of babes. Right. Um, so he obviously uh, has, uh, following that, he struck up a relationship with your, with your children. Yes. And that probably yes. made it easy. And that probably, you probably saw that and said, this is kind of, Cool, isn't it? They've lost their dad, but they have someone, I assume, they can look up to and they like. Yes. So that was probably, how, how, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that was probably important, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was, it was. I mean, I was hopeful that that would, would be part of my life someday. Um, and I just, you know, it couldn't have really worked out any better. Um, you know, Mark's a wonderful person. He's a great parent. Um, I, I always joke with him and say, you're a better parent than I am, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but just, you know, very selfless and caring and kind. And so, and I do think, oddly, just their, at their young age, they were able to spend more time with him. And so they got to, you know, really develop more of a relationship with him. Do they call him Mark? Do they call they him They do Lizzie? call him Mark. They do. When, when, they ref when they talk about him to other people, though, I notice they'll say, my dad. But they don't call him dad, they call him Mark. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is, it uh, is. In that vein, how do you keep Joe's memory alive with your children? Um, and well, is Mark comfortable with it? Oh yeah, totally, totally comfortable with it. Um, Mark has a great relationship with Joe's parents, his siblings, you know, he's just a, a part of the family. They're just so warm and welcoming. They just love him. They send him cards. They, they just, they're, they're wonderful. And it's, so it's, that part is really a nice too because um, they've just welcomed him with open arms and um, you know, they're, you know, they're dealing with a loss as well. Um, sure. So, but um, I'm sorry, what was but the, the question kids, before? The, but the Oh, how do we keep Joe's memory yeah, alive yeah. with them? With the, with the children. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, we just, we have pictures everywhere. We talk about them all the time. We, you know, at this point, you know, we tell funny stories. And, um, and so he's, you know, he's always in our, in our minds. And, you know, when we say grace, we always say thank you for our time with Joe. Thank you for our time with Dad. Um, so. that's, that's so important. Yep. In, in my view, I, I dated, uh, um, I think it was three years after Kelly passed. Um, I dated for the first time, and, I, it, and we became very close. And as we became closer, the woman I was dating disliked more of the conversation about Kelly. She didn't like hearing about Kelly. She didn't like remembrances of Kelly. She didn't like seeing photos of Kelly. And that was the beginning of the end of that relationship because I was raising, at that time, uh, a 10 and a, an 8-year-old, and mommy was going to be part of their world as I was bringing them up. That was just a decision I had made, that she had to be central to that. And um, having a woman say, I'm not really comfortable with it, I had to say, well, I'm not comfortable with this relationship then. So I can relate to that and, and the fact that you were able to keep Joe's memory alive with a person you're dating and then who became your, your husband, I think is is vital, yeah. in my view, oh, anyway. Very, right? very much so. Um, yeah, I, I would have, I wouldn't have it any other way. When did you get married? How did you? How did? Uh, when did that come along? And um, so we got married in 2010. So five years after Joe died. Um, did you remember Joe in some way? Or, and again, if you're if you're not comfortable, Anna Maria, did you remember Joe in some way at your wedding? 
We did. We did at our church service. You know, we we mentioned um, we mentioned him. You know, we like the prayer of the faithful. We got That's married in the Catholic nice. Church. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Um, what? How have your children weathered the loss? This is not necessarily about dating and about Mark, but how? You know, 15 years on now. Um, be 16. It was just 16 years. How have they persevered? Do you think they? Still, are there days when they're still sad or still struggle about losing I their I think dad? so. I think so. Um, you know, very similar to you. Like my old, my son was older, so he has he has some memories to hold on to, and I think you know that's a little bit of a blessed thing. I guess just because he has something to hold on yeah. to, where my daughter yeah. doesn't really have that, so. Um, she just doesn't really remember him personally. Like she can only remember him through pictures and stories and what we tell her and, you know, things like that. I think they have their happy moments and their sad, you know, their sad moments. Like, you know, at this point, I think you don't really know what's gonna hit you someday. It just could be an odd, very odd thing and you just get a wave of grief and it's not necessarily on a birthday or um, a special occasion, it could just be something that pops into your head that was, I don't know, you could look at a, look at a street sign or, I, you know, any odd thing that just could bring something on like that. So I'm sure they might have moments like that. Um, and I think my son feels more, a little more, you know, connected just because he has that memory where maybe my daughter doesn't as much. Um, so that a little hard for me. It is, it it's is, a yeah. Hard for me. It, it hurts your heart, right? Yeah, yeah. Tell me um, what advice you might have to someone who has suffered a loss. We touched on it a little bit as far as knowing when the timing is right, but there's more to it than that. Um, someone who is thinking about maybe dating, someone who's thinking about finding love again. Do you have any general advice? Well, if they're really interested and they want to move forward with that in their life, you know, I just say open your heart and, you know, fate, you do, I think you do have to work on your grief. You have to, you have to work through it. I, I think you need to do that to get to that next level to say, I'm ready to do something like this, but just, you know, just open your heart and, and trust and, um, you know, one of the things that I did kind of right along in the process was like journaling, which, you know, a lot of people tell you to do. And I wrote letters to Joe and um, just, you know, those nights when I was sitting by myself and some of them were good letters, some of them weren't so good letters, sure. but yeah. um, that was very helpful. Yeah, because you're expressing all sorts of things. You're expressing anger, yep. grief, sadness, all of those things. And just even just simple things like... I have to do all this myself. <laughs> Right? That, yeah. like I don't yeah. feel like mowing the lawn or yeah. I don't know how to fix this or fix that or, you know, Danny, you know, fell on a skateboard today or, you know, just really just simple things. But um, when I got sort of ready to move forward with dating too, I said, you know what, I'm just going to write in my journal and I'm going to write, I'm going to write down what I'm looking for in a person to share my life with. And I just wrote down simple things. Um, you know, in this, it was just a list. Character traits. Kind yeah, of character thing. traits. Yeah. 
Did, and, um, did Mark check those boxes? He did, you know, and then I, I didn't even realize it. And then, you know, when I went back to look at it, it was like 99% of all the things that I wrote. So I, I just, for me, that was just a little exercise. I don't know. I don't know what led me to do that. But um, just back to what you asked me, I would just say, don't, you know, don't let anyone stop you if you're, if, if this is where you want to go, follow your heart, just seek advice from a friend if you need it. Um, if you need more help than that, you know, seek it out. Um, ignore the judgment of ignore, others. Yeah. And, you know, I, um, we were in our, um, that family counseling group together. Well, um, yeah, family connections, family connections. Yeah. And, um, there was a girl in the group and she had been further out than we were. And I just remember hearing her talk and just her, her, her testimony of where she was at. And I thought, you know what? I, that's inspiring and I can get there and I'm going to do that. And it just helped me to hear that somebody else was successful and happy and, um, just gave me a little bit more hope to move forward with my decisions and things will, will get less sharp over time and you will you will find joy in your life again. Until next time, I'm Mark Mulholland. Take care and stay on The Upbeat. If you enjoy The Upbeat, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have topics you'd like us to cover on The Upbeat, please send your ideas to theupbeatpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. On behalf of the volunteer board of Kelly's Angels and the families we help who are facing life-threatening conditions, Thank you for listening to The Upbeat. Nice job, McKenna Rose. Thanks, Dad. You too.